0: Welcome back to the Sunday Fun Day podcast. As always, I'm your host, comedian Christy Ario. With me returning back to the studio is my guest co host, permanent guest co host, Jen York. Hello, Charlotte. Thanks, Jen. And joining us today, very special guest, super pumped to have her, the one and only Rachel Tironi.
1: Hi, guys.
0: Hey, Rachel. Welcome to the studio.
1: Thanks so much for having me. No,
0: thanks for coming. I'm pumped to talk to you today because, uh, so those who don't know, Rachel is a mental health therapist, uh, legally a licensed clinical social worker associate. Yes. Yep. Um, but, wow. but, uh, she's a mental health therapist. Um, Rachel is a good friend of mine. Uh, I'm proud to, very proud to announce that because she's a good person. Thank you. And. We've had some conversations recently about um, your kind of focus in the mental health world, uh, which is completely relevant to something I just did and went through. (laughs) So uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself um, as a mental health therapist.
1: Cool, so I have been in the field for a few years now. My passion population is eating disorder treatment. So that is where a majority of my work has been done with that comes a lot of anxiety, depression, self-worth, body image struggles, kind of just encompasses all of the, you know, life struggles that we're all facing right now.
0: Yeah, food is, uh, I mean, food's a huge, people's relationship with food. We just had a dietitian on a couple of weeks ago, and I think I told you, but uh, food, your relationship with food manifests itself so many different ways, I'm starting to learn. Absolutely. Um, Like you said, with your, some of your dumbass friends who do weird stuff with food sometimes and Who? Get, oh, I don't know. I don't know but <clears throat> gee, I um,
2: wonder. <clears throat> might be, might be somebody yeah, we agreed in this room. we agreed
0: she can publicly she's gonna publicly humiliate me about what I oh, did last month. <laughs> no,
2: right. Right on this podcast. But I love when this happens.
0: That is a, but no, that is an incredible um way to get into that field, like combining mental health with eating disorders. Um how so how long have you been so you've been a mental health therapist for you said a few years now? Yeah. Did you, now was chicken and egg here, chicken and egg, which one came first? Was it your desire to maybe work with nutrition and eating disorders that took you down the mental health road or were you in the mental health road already? And then that kind of through other maybe life happenings um, got you involved with uh, wanting to focus more on the nutrition and eating disorders portion of mental health.
1: Great question. So actually Thank you. kind of
0: I'm very good at this.
1: <laughs> kind of like hmm. none of the above, actually.
0: Oh good. Okay. <laughs> so actually,
1: um, it was my own personal experience with an eating disorder and anxiety and depression in high school that brought me to mental health and also my experience getting subpar treatment for my own eating disorder that made me want to kind of get involved and fix the system that I thought was pretty broken for a while. So I got into mental health knowing that eating disorders was the population that I wanted to work with. I just wasn't sure that I would be able to because it's a super niche field. Yeah, And I've been really lucky to be able to get a job kind of right off the bat with my dream population. And I am expanding into private practice now, still working with my dream population, but also a little bit wider of a variety of people.
0: That's what, That's one of the other reasons I'm, I'm pumped to have you. Um, we've been focusing last last month or two on some small business owners here in Charlotte, people who are entrepreneurs starting their own thing. And I mean, when I was talking about this, geez, we started talking about this months ago. I mean, it all sounds so weird, but uh, we talked again recently, we sort of reconnected and you brought it up again. And I was super just happy to hear that because uh, it's such an incredible thing. So tell me more about how you um, the rollout you have going for yourself with your private practice getting started and you know, you're gonna be here in Charlotte.
1: Yeah, so it's actually not necessarily me who's the entrepreneur yet. Um, it is my colleague, Megan Tiffany, who was doing her own private practice and decided to expand into more group, um, more of a group practice. So she brought me on um, and we've been working together for a couple of months now to kind of get that up and running it's been really exciting. I just kind of lucked into the opportunity, to be honest with you.
0: I told you this. You don't luck in opportunities. You, you create luck for yourself, and then the opportunities come through the door that you've built and allowed to be open. Um, I, w- I firmly believe that. So uh, that's awesome. And, and again, it, whether or not you want to call yourself the entrepreneur or not, you're taking that leap of faith in yourself, which is the greatest leap you can ever take leave a faith in yourself to go forward with it. And I think it's awesome.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Um, now, with with the mental health uh, related to eating disorders, I got to imagine, I, I always like to talk about what, co- what the common misconceptions are because I don't understand most things.
2: I feel like a <laughs> misconception would be that it's only women.
1: Oh, my God. You're <laughs> exactly right. <Yeah. laughs> Absolutely. Um, the thing about eating disorders is that they don't discriminate. I think for a really long time we thought, that this was like a middle class white women's disease. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. You know, eating disorders are a social justice issue. The fact that that is the population that we saw for a while is indicative of some systemic issues which make treatment and access to treatment so challenging for those who maybe don't have the resources that middle and upper class white women do. So doesn't discriminate happens across all races, across all ages, across all genders. Um, and we're seeing a lot more of it as mental health is starting to become a little bit more commonplace and slightly less stigmatized. Yeah.
0: That Yeah, that's another thing I was gonna ask is, I mean, with what just happened to the world, uh, a lot of people, I'm sure their their general relationship with the food I mean, we all we all know. Like, you always hear like food can be a coping mechanism. We've all done it. I mean, there's the joke of like, you get broken up with, and you grab a pint of Ben and & Jerry's and watch Steel Magnolias. If you're <laughs> if you're me, that's what you do. Um, but imagine like six months of just every day feels like a breakup. Like, how many Ben & Jerry's pints of ice cream are lying on people's floors right now next to their bed with those empty tissue boxes and broken down covers of Steel Magnolias? It's gotta be ramping up though, right? Like in the last couple of months with um, people having changed their relationship with food, so to speak, mentally.
1: I think the biggest thing is that for the first time, people are forced to be alone with their thoughts, which is bringing up a lot of maybe like disordered eating tendencies. But the fact of the matter is we eat with emotions all the time and that's super normal. It is just kind of like part of our relationship with food it's meant to be this enjoyable thing that gives us fuel gives us energy and yeah sometimes we're going to be sad and we're going to eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's and that's okay where it becomes problematic is when you know it becomes more of a compulsion and an avoidance behavior so one of the things that I always say about eating disorders pretty much as a whole and I don't want to overgeneralized. So there are some exceptions to this, but for the most part, eating disorder is a coping skill. It is an avoidance technique that we use when we have all of these feelings that seem really big and really scary, and we don't wanna deal with those things. So guess what's easy? You know, If we have a problem that's super abstract and complex, we don't know how to solve it. Our brains say, that's too much. I don't wanna deal with this. What can I focus on that I can control? And for the most part, it ends up being food and weight loss and you know they're right to an extent like if my body's the problem we know what to do to fix it it's black and white it's easy and I'm putting that in quotations because that's not the reality but that's what our anxiety brain kind of says so that's where eating disorder comes into kind of and again in quotes save the day because it seems really effective until it's not and then it has the potential to ruin your life.
0: I will confirm she was air quoting and she said that. So Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll confirm the veracity of her air quote statement. She was saying that. It's funny, Jen, what's your favorite flavor of Ben and Jerry's?
2: I don't eat Ben and Jerry's. You don't what? eat Ben and Jerry's? I don't,
0: I don't either, actually. That's I'm not an ice towards.
2: cream person. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I love you guys are crazy.
0: I stay local. Shout out to Scoop. Shout out Jenny's. Mm. But, Jenny's is good.
1: Yeah. All good options, but sometimes you just need all of the flavors of Ben and Jerry's. What's the one? It's got like potato chips in it, I think.
2: I may have had that one.
0: What? That's, that's true. It has potato
2: chips. I don't is know that what true? it's called. But, yeah, but, is, but there's like, an ice cream oh, with potato chips yeah, oh, it's like salty, sweet, yes. good.
0: My buddy, Quint, makes cookies with hash browns in them. So, and they're the best cookies I've ever had in my life.
2: I'm, yeah, I'm still waiting on
0: those. Yeah, we were promised those. They're cookies, Rachel, my friend. These are cookies with hash browns in them. Chewy hash browns.
1: I just don't know how I feel about that. You're
0: going to have some. I'll get you some. Okay.
1: Um, I'll give it a try. I'll bring
0: those and the big ZD to you. You'll, no promises.
1: Definitely waiting on that big ZD.
0: Yeah, no, I'll get I'll get the big Z D over to you. It's funny. And so like baked ZD, great transition, Chris. Baked <laughs> ZD, uh, I've always laughed at the term comfort food.
2: hmm But that is.
0: It is, but it always tends to be the stuff that makes you the fattest. Mm-hmm. And after I eat comfort food, like Couple hours after, I don't feel comfortable. Right, <laughs> like my pants don't fit my <laughs> my my shirt looks like uh like a saran wrapped it onto myself, and so it's it's funny even like society has almost reinforced the uh, misconception of comfort food and like using food as like a coping mechanism, but not in a good way, so to speak. Right, like hey, well, you're not feeling good about yourself, eat a chicken fried steak. <laughs> well,
2: that's what I was gonna ask. Yeah. Everybody thinks of eating disorder as anorexia, bulimia, or do you treat the ones that have an overeating problem?
1: So I would say that even like this is kind of a a misconception of the way that we classify these things. So at this point in the field of eating disorders, we actually take what's called a transdiagnostic approach, which means first and foremost, like an eating disorder is like the underlying piece. So you can switch symptoms all the time. So anorexia is typically classified by a severe restriction of food intake um, and kind of all of the health complications that come with that, but there's also sometimes binging associated with that. In bulimia, there's a lot of restriction, a lot of binging, and then the addition of um, some sort of way to compensate with that, whether that is purging, exercise, more restricting. And binge eating um, is where, you know, you eat, you're binging on a regular basis without that compensation, but doesn't necessarily mean that there's no restriction either. And so these are just kind of the symptoms of eating disorder. The underlying piece is the same. So no matter what the symptoms are, it all kind of stems from the same place and they all have really severe health complications and you can never tell which eating disorder someone has by looking at them. I think that's the biggest misconception that is in the world. Eating disorders don't look like anything. Like they're not, you know, just, you can't, you can't pick them out. You know, a person in a larger body can have anorexia. A person in a smaller body can have binge eating disorder. And that is probably one of the biggest misconceptions that there is, but the different classifications are really just ways that we can put a label on the symptoms. Like I said, the underlying piece is typically the same, does kind of the same thing for us.
0: This is why I was excited to have you. I want to point out, and I can't wait to get video going on this podcast, but I talk to a lot of people and even more so, I make a lot of people talk to me. But the passion that you have for this, like just looking at you as you, as you speak, you can tell somebody like means mm-hmm. what they're saying from the body <laughs> language and stuff like that. Uh, cause I do, I talk to a lot of people and, and I've, 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 I know human nature. And so you guys listening out there, as you catch this episode, this is the kind of person you want to go to oh my God. with this stuff. <laughs> it is not, I can see, I can see the passion you have in it. Like you're excited mm-hmm. talking, moving your body. So that, that's, that's great, man. It really is, um, which, which is why I'm pumped to have you here. Uh, with the, um, and one thing you kind of said with the eating disorder thing, the restrictive the restrictive diet, the it can be a slippery slope, I feel, right? Oh, um, yes. Yeah.
2: But, you know, I, I feel like every single person that I've ever talked to has a twisted relationship with food. Everybody I know has been on a diet at some point. You're exactly right. Every single
1: person. And that's the problem. Like, we have just essentially shamed ourselves so far away from our body's natural instincts that we don't know how to eat anymore. And the more that we try to restrict, guess what we're going to do? We binge because that is our body's biological way of keeping us alive when we are intentionally starving ourselves. And and starving yourself is not always like as severe as we think it is. It really is as just like minor as being in any kind of caloric restriction, you know, restricting yourself in any kind of way. If you're not eating enough to feel your body, if you're not allowing yourself to feel that hunger, guess what? You're probably in some state of restriction. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. This is the segment of the episode where I'm going to nail myself to a cross. (laughs) I
1: hear it coming. But But, I mean, society
2: is, you know, it's, you should be proud of yourself that you are able to restrict yourself like you kudos you know like we applaud that
1: we do and that's why it is so like challenging for people to just actively say I don't want to lose weight or I don't want to control my food it's not the norm it's like a an act of rebellion at this point because of the way society is Mm -hmm. and Guys, like this is the real kicker here is that our body knows exactly where it wants to be. And it's going to work so hard Mm -hmm. to keep us in that range. And it is a range. Yeah. So things like BMI, trash, just trash, uh, developed by insurance, like really no indicator of health. And also- Fake news. Yeah, fake news. And (laughs) weight is not a great indicator of health because statistically speaking, you are- far more likely to experience complications of being in a lower weight body than in a higher weight body, but that's not glamorous and that's not selling diet products or diet foods or diet plans and exercise plans. They don't make money if we don't feel bad.
0: The weight things always piss me off because like the, the sheer amount of muscle that I carry around. Oh yeah. is, is it, I, I step amount. on these scales and they're Just like- Just
2: crazy. Huge amount. A,
0: a, they're like a guy your height should not weigh that much. I'm like, that's steel baby. Steel's heavy. heavy, the steel. <laughs> Concrete under there, man. Ball, but steel. but it but it no, it does. I mean, it's true. So like the the military um, had for the, I'm not sure they still do, but for the longest time had like a BMI range you had to fall in. But a lot of guys going to look that, like like all jokes aside, are jacked. Like a lot of the jacked teenagers go in the military, and they were giving BMI waivers to everybody because they're still going by the like, 1960s like. Anorexic guy, like before we had nutrition, really. Yeah, when we were still fighting wars with sticks, they're like, "You should weigh this much." So, well, we have agriculture was, now. The food yeah, pyramid. Yeah, when they were like hunters and gatherers, like you should weigh 110 pounds. Well, <laughs> yeah, we died at 42. We've we evolved past that, but right, almost every guy did a waiver for the BMI. But, um, as you know, and as you know, Jen, I just did the Sober September Fitness Challenge, and what I did is I, I'm gonna just lay it all out there for you. I was eating nothing but meat, fish, and eggs, and I was. Restricting myself to seven hundred and fifty total calories a day after exercise. So what I would do if I if I oh you should see her mm-hmm. face I'm gonna
1: she I'm gonna let me just I'm gonna swallow this water wait.
0: yeah 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 go just ahead lo- and schedule go
2: ahead and schedule your appointment <laughs> <Congratulations>. no <laughs> right now
0: we had one we we walked through the park it was beautiful no so what I was gonna say is though as I was doing it I'm like this is a bad idea <laughs> I, I really like in my head I'm like. This is not sustainable or healthy, right? but I'm a nutcase. So I was like, well, I'm going to do this for 30 days. I'm going to lose a bunch of weight. And I lost 22 pounds in 30 days. And I was, again, like I had weight to lose. I wasn't fat. Like I lost, that's probably 12% of my body weight.
1: Disclaimer, still not a healthy amount of weight to lose in four no, weeks. No, no,
0: no, 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 But I mean like, it's one thing if you're like 500 pounds and you lose 20 pounds, like, right? Like,
1: okay, I'm not going to win this <laughs> argument,
0: right? <laughs> i have never felt. Today, I've, I've never felt more uneasy in this chair than I do right now. But no. The, but the whole time I was thinking to myself, I'm like, this, this is not a good idea. This is not sustainable. This isn't healthy. But uh. But I'm stupid enough to think I'm like, I'll recover from this. But a couple of things you said really hit home. One was like, pretty much every day, it, it, my brain was going like, I can't wait to reward myself. And I wasn't thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I can't, wait to, I can't wait to reward myself with like a balanced, healthy meal. No, I'm like, no, I cannot wait to go face deep into a pizza yeah. and six mugs of beer. Yes, down a funnel, <laughs> and with the social aspect of it, like you said, this is like I got so many likes on Facebook. Like when I, when I when I took the picture of how much weight I lost. Yeah, and granted, I I will I will let's take a caveat here. I did it for charity. And I lost the weight for charity. So that, that was mostly what it was. But um, I did have to say when I kind of posted about it, I'm like, don't do this. I'm like, it wasn't healthy. Don't do it. 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 If I wasn't so publicly shaming myself for both, before I did it and after it, I'm like, it wouldn't have been a good thing. Because there's people who would, who would do that in private and they don't know, like, nobody knows what they're doing. And it can be dangerous.
1: Well, I would say even not in like even if they're public about it, it's yeah. still something that we praise, and we feel so comfortable to comment on people's weight loss. We wouldn't comment on somebody else's weight gain because no. we stigmatize. I mean, it. I do. That's... You should.
0: But I'm a dick. Like, <laughs> I
1: mean, not like should, but <laughs> if we're gonna comment on weight loss, yeah. like, why? So what I'm trying to say is that we are unintentionally reinforcing. Yeah, exactly. We are reinforcing the idea that weight loss is something to be celebrated. And the reality is people lose weight for so many different reasons, eating disorder, depression, anxiety, cancer, grief. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just to name a few. Yeah. And those are all devastating things to have to live with on a daily basis. And we're, we're validating weight loss. What we're also saying is, gaining weight is bad and people in larger weight or larger bodies are bad and that is just not the case
0: no and and, and there was like the for me especially i know when i was doing it like losing the weight was again like i, I knew from the beginning not that being said when you like that's why i said the slippery slope thing earlier like when i would like would take a shirt and throw it on and it was like one of my like tighter fitting shirts and suddenly it fit a little i'm like oh
2: It does. It feels good. It feels really good.
0: And I did. And I'm glad I talked. I'm glad like we're friends because I did kind of talk to you about like I want to. I want to definitely like feel healthy. I want to lose more. I want to lose a little more weight. And like there's a there's a goal weight that I do have. But I was like, I want to do it right. And like the two pounds a week kind of ish.
2: Losing weight because you're doing it the healthy way, just making your body. But but I can see where like.
0: I could see where like, uh, you know, I was maybe like one, one or two like bad thoughts and being like, I'm going to do this for one more month and I'll (laughs) be right where
1: I want to be. Well, like, here's the thing is that even, like it's so easy, even this conversation is kind of validating the Mm -hmm. idea that diet culture is a good thing. And they're really, losing weight is restrictive in nature. And so it's not always, there is not always just like a healthy way to lose weight you know, it's kind of a myth, you know, there is a maybe like safer way, but you're still putting your body into a state of starvation, which has consequences because think about what you just said. I was thinking about rewarding myself with a whole pizza and that is a binge. And Uh that happens because our body's trying to keep us alive. And the only way it knows how to do that if we're restricting is okay, now we're going to let ourselves have all this food. So we're going to eat all this food. So think about it like this, because we still have dinosaur brain, like no matter how much we try to evolve out of it, but it's still there at the foundation of most things that we do. This in particular, because starvation or any kind of restriction, even like as little as a hundred calories, like that activates this part of our brain that says, oh my God, I'm in a famine. I am stranded in the wilderness, there's no food around me because why else would I be starving myself? There's no other reason except for I'm lost in the wilderness and we all know that that's not the case. And so if we were in the wilderness and stuck there for a while, not eating, and then all of a sudden we walked up upon salvation and there was a bunch of food there, guess what we would do? Ravage. We would eat all of it. Yes. And that is evolutionarily adaptive because because otherwise we die. And that is what our brains do, and that is what our bodies do now when we're dieting. So our, we are the way the diet culture works is, it tells you, if you can't restrict your body, there's something wrong with you. And then we binge, which is our body, physically forcing us off that diet because it's not okay for us. And then we shame ourselves for that. And it's a vicious cycle. You know, when it comes to wanting to be healthy, The way that that really looks is learning to honor your body's hunger and fullness in a genuine way because here's like the plot twist to all of this, guys. When we stop restricting and when we stop fighting our bodies, we're not craving as much, and this is like a big quotation mark because I hate this term, junk food.
0: Yep, I see him again, air quotes.
1: Thank you, (laughs) yeah. Confirmed air quotes. There is no such thing as junk food, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I know that that is a topic for debate, but like the way that I talk about food is all foods fit, and that's because. Oh, hold on! I lost my train of thought.
0: Where was I going? All food is fit. We were. um, You're about to tell me why I can have a Snickers bar after the show.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, Cool.
0: (laughs) In in my head, that's that's where this is going.
1: Okay. Great. So yeah. Oh. I remember. No
0: junk food. (laughs) Going to Price's Chicken Coop.
1: (laughs) So by actually feeding our bodies, and this is counterintuitive to everything that diet culture stands for, but by feeding our bodies what we want when we want it, yes, if we are coming from a restrictive background or a diet culture background, we may gain some weight while we do this, but we normalize our relationship with food, which allows us to make nutritionally sound choices, balanced choices, and guess, what? Stop when we're full. And guess what happens when we stop when we're full? We nourish our bodies the way that they need to be nourished and we allow our body to fall into the weight range that it's meant to fall in. And it's a beautiful thing.
0: I think that's, I feel dumber every time I talk to people on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like feel smarter. I, I, I bring people on this podcast, I gotta have some dumb episodes. I gotta, uh, I gotta bring other comedians on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Just people are dumber than like, there's not a lot of those out here. Uh, I think you you raised another great point was that I think a lot of our so like I'm a northeastern Italian guy right as are you
1: not Italian well but northeastern Taroni, that's
0: not Italian how's macaroni I mean what the...
1: I know that was what what's all what's of the my, my high school or my elementary school bullies called me.
0: I will kick all their asses for oh, you. Thank you. I will retroactively bully your bullies. I really appreciate it. I have a surf. I've got a dinosaur brain like that. I'm oh, like, okay. I'm like, oh, you're part of my velociraptor pack. So <laughs> <laughs> we talk to each other. But so, like, still though, a lot of like, you know, my grandparents came here from Italy, some of that kind of thing. Their relationship with food was like, they went long times without having food. Like you said, like, not yes. even dinosaurs, but like, didn't the, if they grew up in like the 20s, they're in a, or World War II. And so the whole like, we put a plate of food in front of you, eat that plate of food because you don't know when your next plate of food is going to come. We don't have that. I mean, like generally, like you said, rich white people like don't have that problem. Middle-class white people don't have that problem. Americans in general don't have that problem. Which so, is
1: also why obesity and eating disorders in lower economic class populations are a social justice issue and not an individual human being's fault. Thank you for coming to my Ted talk.
0: Call back. <laughs> Call back. That's what we do here, baby. We throw callbacks left and right.
1: Ah, but
0: yes. yeah, so yeah, exactly. The lower income populations, when you start to, when you ha- like, when you have like, cause all of our, like almost everybody was lower income at some point in this country, Sure. Uh, their family was, you know, and they, they go back to that. Cause I know my grandparents, like if I went, you know, to, a lot of people make the same joke, but it's a lot of people make that joke. Cause a lot of people had the same experience if I went over grandma's house with like three or four of my friends and even like the word hunger crossed my lips.
2: Oh, you'd have so much there'd food. Be like you... a, there'd be like mm-hmm.
0: six different animals on the table all right. dead and cooked inside of an oven with like <laughs> pasta and salad and ice cream. And, and like, if I didn't eat, she was armed with wooden spoons and shoes to force me to eat. Well,
1: actually that whole thing is a really good point because you're exactly right. Yeah. And, but you, you were talking about <laughs> when you' what you were talking about when you know, the Great Depression, all of this food scarcity, yeah. which is still a thing in food deserts, and lower economic populations, still a thing that they're experiencing. but when that was the norm, you're exactly right. It was like you have to finish your plate before you can leave the table because we don't know when we're gonna get this meal again. And that attitude of scarcity is kind of a generational trauma that gets passed down to people. And so now like I grew up that way, Similarly, where I would go to my grandma's house and she wouldn't let me leave the table until I finished eating. And that does not allow for people to honor their hunger fullness cues and eat intuitively because you're being taught to rely on external things to tell you when to stop eating. And that's not what intuitive eating is. That's not what our bodies are meant to do. And that's where a lot of this problem comes from. Agreed.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's why like, and like even the mentality of like, you go to let's say you go to McDonald's, and I know there's no junk food, but let's be honest, not like <laughs> it's not a popular like no one's gonna be like McDonald's is health food. But you order like a meal, and you're just going like I have to finish this meal. Yeah, like there's there's a twelve hundred calories in one meal or that, and you're like, it's the meal, and the meal is over when I've finished the meal, not when I'm full, or not when I'm done being hungry, or however you want to put it. It's like the meal is over when I've finished the meal. And I think that's a huge reason why you know dining out can be an issue because they'll put like you go to cheesecake huge factory. Portions, yeah, yeah. You go to cheesecake factory yeah dude the the chicken parm is like a pterodactyl wing and, and it's like hanging off the plate
2: then you have to get cheesecake after yeah oh and my you, God. Uh, obviously yeah and you're
0: <laughs> like but yeah again because you want to you know reward yourself for going to cheese you want to reward yourself for putting yourself through the process of eating around those other people who go to cheesecake factory. Mm-hmm. Like you're, that's a punishment to yourself of being around Cheesecake Factory people. So in order to reward yourself, you get cheesecake.
1: Well, the thing is, if we shifted the conversation about dieting foods we should eat, the way that we eat in this country, you would find really quickly that you wouldn't have the impulse to finish the f- all of the food on your plate if you were full. You know, for me at this point, I've really embraced that intuitive eating piece and feel really lucky to have had the opportunity to do that. So don't get me wrong, Yeah, but it was not easy. You know, it was definitely not easy to do that in the face of diet culture. But now if I go to Cheesecake Factory and I'm eating my meal, I'm like, oh, I'm full. I'm going to stop eating. I'm going to take this for leftovers. And it's not anxiety provoking. It's not something I have to second guess or think about. And there's no guilt involved. And that's the most freeing part of it.
2: This is kind of changing the subject. Maybe, you know, we you talk about how e- an eating disorder is something that is kind of underlying, like it stems from anxiety and depression. But what about those, especially in younger people now, like from TikTok, it's not necessarily that they have anxiety or depression. It's just um, looking at technology and all of the fakeness in technology, not necessarily having the mental health issues, just being like, I'm supposed to be this skinny.
1: Yeah. Okay, so... I maybe misspoke. It's not always underlying anxiety and depression. The anxiety and depression comes with eating disorder. You can't really have an eating disorder without like some of both just because of the impact that it has on your brain. But it's all about avoidance. That's kind of the underlying thing is I like, okay, so looking at these people and comparing myself makes me feel this type of way. I don't want to feel this type of way. So what am I going to do to prevent myself from feeling that type of way? I'm going to restrict my food so that I can change my body but then eventually what kind of ends up happening is it's never enough because it's never just about your body it's about that insecurity that you're trying to numb and avoid Mm -hmm. and when you start numbing your emotions the thing is and this is a direct quote or maybe not direct but a quote from one of my favorite human beings Brene Brown that you can't selectively numb you cannot selectively numb your emotional experiences. So when you start numbing the things like sadness or insecurity or self-doubt, eventually you're going to also feel less happiness, less positive emotions. And we just get to this place of complacency and discomfort with all of our emotions that eating disorder doesn't force us to deal with. Yeah. Same with things like substance use. Same with things like- over exercise even. And that mm-hmm. might be a controversial one, but too much of anything. I'm you see a lot of it now. Yeah, yeah I do, yeah. Yeah, like what are you avoiding? That's I'm, what I want to know.
0: I'm very proud of myself that I've been able to avoid the over exercising Oh, I bet. For, Hard to do on seven hundred
1: fifty <laughs> calories a day, my friend. <laughs> you don't much, have a whole ooh. lot of love for that.
0: Another call back. This one, <laughs> this one hurt my feelings. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. It was no, it was a bad it was a bad decision, like I said, but for charity, so we recovered. Anything for but, charity. <laughs> um, you can have a, so you can also have a fun relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And to prove that, we're going to do something I've been promising Jen for a long time. <laughs> and uh, we're going to eat some pickles. On this podcast, this
2: is not what she had in mind. <laughs> it all comes full circle. It all comes full.
0: Trust me, I'm going to circle this back. We're going to call back. But no, I'm here. We're talking this ASMR thing because it's funny. She mentioned she's been mentioning that like she's been hard. I think
1: on. I mentioned it every single episode. Yeah, she
0: won't shut up about and it. And to be
1: clear, I was promised Big ZD for the sole purpose of doing ASMR. Yeah, on the spot. so I couldn't. Make I read the- that. I don't know if I could have listened to that one. Probably not.
2: Oof. It would have been fun to hear somebody like eat something creamy. Ugh. <laughs> This is going to be fun, though. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, eating. Yeah, I probably saw. It just so
2: happens that Chris had pickles in his trunk of, like, who does? that? There's a
0: lot of things in my trunk that we shouldn't talk about on this podcast publicly. That's
2: why I didn't go out to to but, get this. No, we <laughs> promised. You. We
0: promised So, like, food can be fun. Now, pickles
1: in a bag. Uh, pickles pickles in, in a bag. We got a bag
0: of pickles. <laughs> so, but we all <laughs> started. You brought up ASMR when I brought Big City, right? We're gonna
1: have like
2: chill bumps from listening to this i know
0: oh god this is this is where it goes sideways we might,
2: no but we might attract thank you for
0: thank you for tuning in to the sunday Funday podcast this is where we lose
2: no all of i you. think we're gonna gain a new okay. crowd in addition to but pickles our-
0: are a good snack right
1: i mean this is made with sea salt D- depends on you know what you're looking for
0: let's say i'm looking for a cucumber 13, in vinegar would that then, be- yeah that
1: would be a great snack no, I think like we have one pickle. It's good. It's got It's tur- not a particularly nutritionally dense snack. Like no, it's not okay. going to give you a whole heck of a lot of energy or nutritional value, but like it's a fun thing to eat. It's um it's got turmeric in it. Ooh,
0: Turmeric's good for your joints.
2: Great. Yeah. And is from Mount Olive, North Carolina. Good for Carolina. rolling joints.
0: Yeah, that's why I got them. Yeah. Staying that's local. Yeah, that's why I got them. <laughs> I knew that when I bought them. But they are like, a, I have used, so I do use pickles as kind of like a sta- a snack that's not very calorically heavy, but will stave off hunger for a little bit. Cause Ooh. there is the, like, I think one of the, go ahead.
2: It's just very vinegary and makes my mouth water. I'm gonna drink I... that
0: pickle juice, by the way. I hope that doesn't disgust anybody, but.
1: No, it's I like good to drink your pickle sodium? juice. Yeah, yeah. your electrolytes. If you need some mm-hmm. electrolyte balancing. I feel well, like so I'm going to spill this everywhere. There
0: is. You know you know. What I think one of the challenges to our opening this bag of pickles, don't fucking spill in the studio. I will punch you. Why don't you.
2: you open it then?
0: Because you're 90% of the way there. You're, you're tearing that thing up. Like, it's unbelievable. I can't get Guys, again, we need video here because she's treating this... Pickle bag, like she's performing surgery on a member of her family. I've never seen somebody more careful open a bag of pickles. That, that's
1: good enough. I think you just threatened her life if she spilled the pickles. So I don't. He think threatens it's an my life.
2: Oh my yeah, god! It's,
0: it's, it's part of the it's part of the podcast. <laughs> that's what the we do.
1: whole studio is
2: going to smell like garlic.
0: Good. Okay. okay. So one of the things. Now go ahead. Eat your pickle.
2: No, we're offered to eat at the same time.
0: <clears> okay.
2: <throat> Get your gherkin out.
0: It's been out since we started. Oh. Ooh. Uh, pass it to Rachel. Now Rachel can't. Um. So yeah, these are Mount Olive munchies we're about to eat here. So you're gonna see a picture of this when we post pictures too. But the reason I do bring this up too, and the reason I brought these to the episode is that one of the pitfalls I think with healthy eating. Now, oh, hear that?
1: They're really warm. Yeah, they're, <laughs> This pickle is
2: hot. It's
1: a hot like, pickle.
2: Temperature wise, hot.
0: Oh, the refrigerator in my car was off the whole. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, God, all right, you
1: should probably look into that.
0: So on three. We're going to take a nice, delicious bite of this pickle, and we're going to talk about why we're eating pickles. One. Jen, don't spit on it first. One.
2: I'm looking for the harder, <laughs> harder part, the crunchy part.
0: Three. That's a solid pickle.
1: I'm not sure if this is as satisfying as I thought it was going to be. I don't think it's, <laughs> It needs to be a Vlaston pickle. Welcome Very to the Sunday Funday.
0: <laughs> Welcome to... Is
1: that your tagline? Not as fun as I thought it would be? People actually, like,
2: subscribe to this kind of thing.
0: I'm getting a t-shirt that says, my eating disorder doesn't discriminate, but I do.
2: Okay. Interesting.
1: I don't know if that's socially acceptable, Chris. Not in this climate. I'm but. a comedian.
0: I can do this and I can say what I want. Comedic <clears throat> license.
1: I mean.
0: I'm obviously joking. I don't discriminate. <laughs> mm. All right. So the thing about these delicious pickles is one, I think one of the biggest pitfalls with um, healthy eating. I know you said there's no junk food, but it's the, the lifestyle a lot of us live these days um, and how that might interact with your relationship with the food. Uh this is all planned, by the way. The genius of this pickle thing is about to come out here. Okay. Now, me personally, so I went to work this morning. I've, I got a 9-to-5 job again. But, Congrats. Thank you. But, you know, I woke up. I went to work. Um, you know, I have a lunch break at work and stuff like that. But, like, a typical day for me would be, like, going to work in the morning, working, driving, then leaving work immediately, and having to go maybe record a podcast, do a show, have an interview with somebody who I'm maybe working on a project with or something like that, right? And sometimes these shows or these projects, these meetings are a couple hours away. Um, So point being, it would not be crazy for me, a typical day to like leave my house at 7 a.m. and be back in my home at 11 p.m. midnight, something like that, without... and. That draws you into eating out a lot Fast food is convenient And sometimes not just because it's convenient But the time of like I don't have time between my Work ending and going to the meeting Or the show I have in Greensboro, North Carolina To sit down at a Healthy restaurant, so to speak And have a sit down meal I'm going for fast food Or I gotta stop at a gas station And try to put something in my stomach Before I get to the next location Because otherwise I'm starving That's not a good feeling either
1: If you're going to try to advocate for pickles as a good snack for like sustenance, I'm going to disagree with you. No, 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 no. My,
0: my, my question was more about, um, how, how could you like recommend maybe dealing with that kind of like,
1: yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing is,
0: like, you see a lot of that. Like a lot of people are like, I don't, I don't have a healthy relationship with food because I don't have time. Oh my God. What I'm saying is that's an excuse. (laughs) It's an excuse to what I'm leaning towards. Do you want another pickle?
1: No, I'm okay. Okay. Thank you.
0: I think it's an excuse people use. I don't have time.
1: Yeah. You could pack ahead.
0: Exactly. Tell them it's not true. Well, it's
1: not true. And like, thank you. The thing that I think we all feel in diet culture is that hunger is this thing to be scared of and it's not like it is a totally natural thing and it is your body telling you hey I need a little bit more energy to keep doing what you want me to be doing and so we don't have to be like wildly selective with the things that we eat because when we're honoring our hunger fullness cues we'll get the nutrients that we need and we'll be able to stop people don't really buy into that until they experience it for themselves because Mm -hmm. that's not how we do food in our country. But there's plenty of snacks that you can pick up on the way. Fast food is okay to have from time to time. In fact, it's a necessity a lot. You're exactly right. And that's one of the things that we do in eating disorder treatment is we do some fast food because How many times are you like out on the road, maybe a road trip with your friends, you stop at a gas station, you stop at McDonald's and you're like, I need to get something. If you're afraid of all of the options, that's not great.
0: No. And I think what I've, what I've learned from talking to you just in these couple of minutes you've been here is, uh, the the epiphany of like, if I'm starving myself and then I have to stop at a gas station, I'm going to make a. That's when, like you said, I'm going oh, I've been starving myself. I'm going to reward myself with this whole bag of Doritos. Yes. But a, and the, like you said, excessive anything's not good. But if you're maintaining a healthy relationship with food, I got to stop this gas station. I'm a little hungry. I'm not starving because I'm treating myself right. But yeah, I'm going to have a, I'm gonna have a small bag of Doritos or what, what have you. And yeah. you're going to treat it like this is just fueling my body. This isn't like a treat or a reward or, or a punishment. It's a part of... Living, yeah. Uh, this is an epiphany I just had on this episode. beautiful. Yeah. It's a mentality yeah, shift. Yeah. You're it's exactly not, yeah.
1: right. Yeah. Oh my and gosh! Here's a really crazy story that my good friend and dietitian Lindsay Hilton, RD, told me. It's from a study that we use at our eating disorder treatments center. Up, Lindsay. Shout out, Lindsay. Um, I hope you're okay with me mentioning you on this podcast, but she's super great. Um, there is a study where scientists left kids like young kids to their own devices to make nutritional choices and they all made choices that honored their body's nutritional needs to the point where one child opted to drink cod liver oil because he was deficient in whatever the heck that provides our bodies but like that's that's how on point like our bodies know how to keep us alive they know what we need and they know how to get it for us But when we stop allowing it to do what it's meant to do naturally is where we start to experience all of these problems with the guilt, the shame, the creating morality out of food.
2: It's wild. No, I think food controls so many of our lives. Yeah. Which is sad.
1: It is sad. because It takes up
2: a lot of our time.
1: Think of all of the brain space that would be free if you weren't hungry all the time. And plot twist, it's a lot. you're thinking
2: about what you need to eat and planning ahead. But also
1: guess why we do that? Because again, if we were in a famine, it would be evolutionarily adaptive for us to be thinking about food all of the time because we feel like it's a life or death situation. Right. So when we are restricting regularly, we are thinking about food so much. That's why I was going to ask you about the Psychological effects that you're experiencing.
0: Yes, yeah, so, so I so I'm I'm better now. I've been back on like uh, for like almost a week now. I've been back in like the normal diet rotation. Love it. But yeah, tomorrow will be a week that okay. I've been back on generally. But yes, because one thing I, I told a couple people this who like made agreed to like not try to talk me out of it. But I didn't write for almost a month because I was. I didn't have the brain power to do it. I was like, I'd be sitting at my computer and I'm like,
2: brain fog. You did. No,
0: all I was thinking, like it was just, I was thinking about food, like food, food, food. I'm like, when, I'm like, when do I get to have my next calorie? When, and like how many calories, like it was consuming my entire, like restricting myself was, and I didn't have the mental energy to like, there were like, I would make notes if something, cause that's my process. Like if something funny came to me, I'll make a short note about it. But the real part of the process is turning that, that's where brain power comes in is like turning that, random thought into like a bit or like a joke, so to speak. I didn't do that for a month. I didn't have the brain power to do it. I didn't have the, I couldn't focus. I couldn't like, it was, was, I I was barely like, I was doing my job basically. I was able to do my job and I had a couple of shows and I I remember being like, I got to just do old material because I can't. I just bet
1: you were not as funny.
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
1: you aren't funny at all. <laughs> you
2: you should start eating again. Yeah.
0: No, I, I did. We're gonna go to hawkers after this. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, we are. Yeah.
0: Also,
1: the brain needs carbs, Chris. And you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have pa-
0: no, I didn't. I'm gonna have pad thai <sighs> car- hawkers tonight. It's got carbs in there. Yeah, so
1: I'm I'll here for it.
0: that. Oh uh, yeah, we're gonna. You can come too, Jen.
2: Oh, oh my god, thank you so much. You're
0: welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, we're gonna have hawkers, to- but yeah, now that I'm back with my so. You're right. Yes. Mentally. Like, like you said, I was so focused on like how hungry I was. I couldn't think of anything else. And it was not good mentally. And I, and that's, that's one of the ones that I'm like, I can't wait to eat it so I can just, I can write. I have like little bullet points of like, make a joke about this, make a joke. But I couldn't finish the joke. I couldn't, I didn't have the brain power to turn them into bits. And that, you know, six months ago, that would have been my living. Like I couldn't have done my living. Like right now I have a different job, but yeah. Like I couldn't have sustained my living doing that cause I wouldn't have been having, and even on stage, like I didn't have the energy to like do new materials and that I was like super. So, bad, and Yeah, yeah.
1: There's a whole study, you know, you talked about the military piece of this before, but you know, we use the Keys starvation study or the Keys semi-starvation study, which is, you know, back when you know, before ethical principles were put into like experimentation. The scientists were like, during World War II, they were like, oh, we gotta figure out how we're gonna refeed these soldiers when they get back. So they took a bunch of like these conscientious observers of the war effort. And these are some of the mentally strongest and physically strongest men that they could find. And they cut their caloric intake in half. And so mind you, when I say in half, they were eating a diet of 3,200 calories to sustain their normal day. So they cut it in half to 1,600 calories, which is more than a lot of normal diet plans suggest that we eat. And they became anxious, depressed, even suicidal, obsessed with food. They were angry all the time. They were super politically inclined, you know, prior to this experiment and they just became so dull and tired all the time. Like there are real consequences to not fueling your brain and your body enough. We all know that hangry feeling. Oh
0: I gosh, was, yeah, I was so hungry. I ordered a Joe Biden sign from my yard. That's all. Wow. Like, oh, You're not supposed getting, to we don't get political. I'm, here. I'm, I'm not, it's the first name I can think of. Um <laughs> Rachel, we got a couple minutes left here, so I want to make sure we circle back to the private practices, TBD, so to speak.
1: No, it's actually happening.
0: Where, um, where can people find you?
1: Great. People can find me at Modern Mind Counseling and Wellness. Um, my colleague and I, Megan Tiffany, are currently the therapists working there. Um, we specialize in both of us have worked in eating disorders, so we have that background. But we also do just regular like anxiety, depression, OCD, normal like daily struggles, self esteem building, kind of like everything.
0: Uh, quickly drop some websites and or social media handles.
1: Oh, um, I think that the Instagram is Mod Mind Counseling.
0: We'll post it on the um, <laughs> we'll post it on the on the description when we drop. I didn't the episode. come
1: prepared. Super sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll
0: we'll post it out on our. It'll be on our social media um, at Your Sunday Funday Podcast on Instagram, Sunday Funday Podcast on Facebook, and if you go to christiariocomedy there's a Sunday Funday section there. Um, so we'll post when we post the episode in the description, as well as when we make some pictures on social media here. One last thing: the Sunday Funday Podcast tradition, the question that all guests have to answer because we are in the Sunday Funday capital of the world, Charlotte, North Carolina. What is your typical idea of a dream Sunday Funday here in Charlotte, North Carolina?
1: Oh goodness. Um, Well, if I could, I would live at the Whitewater Center. So I have a mini Australian shepherd who is super high energy and a dream Sunday Funday would probably be getting out on a kayak or a stand up paddleboard with him over at the Whitewater Center.
0: That is a beautiful day in my book, and I live right near the Whitewater Center, so let's go sometime soon.
1: Absolutely, I got sometime. my season pass.
0: We'll talk about it more at Hawkers. We'll do. Jen, thank you, Gun.
1: Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. Thank you,
0: Rachel. Great episode. Thank, thank you. you. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. It turned out That's well. Thank
2: you so much for letting me do my, my pickle thing.
0: <laughs> I'll say. That, I'm really excited yeah. to be
2: a part of it. Thanks. Thank the pickle, you for pickle pickle posse. Thank you for participating. I'm being excited too.
0: Charlotte, North Carolina, thank you so much again. Once again, I'm Christy Urio for Jen York, for the one and only Rachel Taroni, signing off. See you next Sunday. Have a good one. Bye.